Hey guys, welcome back to another Weird Wednesday. I'm Ashers, and this is Pedo. Pedo, how was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was was uh, interesting, I guess, <laughs> in the in the grand scheme of things. Um, Friday, I had because uh, obviously we're still going to talk about the hardship for a while. Sure. Uh, but yeah, Friday I had um, I was in the hospital for eight hours getting an angiogram, and that's when they uh, stick a camera in one of your arteries and follow it up into your heart. Awesome. Yeah, I know. So that was eight hours. That was like two hours of prep, um, an hour for the procedure, and then five fucking hours in recovery. And uh, that was not fun. And that was also kind of like a wake up call to the fact that like, you know, yeah, when I get when I when I have open heart surgery, like that's going to be I'm just going to like go to sleep and someone's going to do it. I'm going to wake up and it's going to be done. It's like almost the most perfect way in the world to have anything happen sure. you know, while you're asleep. But it's going to be, you know, then it's, I'm going to be in the hospital for a week before I can even go home. You know what I mean? And like just being stuck in that fucking room. Um, I made a joke on on Twitter that it was kind of like being in jail. And I should know because I'm someone that's been in jail from time to time. (laughs) So like, yeah, it was, it was like being in jail. I totally fucking blew. Uh, I was by myself. I had like four TV channels to pick from. Um, you know, so whatever though. That was Friday. Uh, Saturday, went and saw Ghostbusters Afterlife, which, um, seeing as how this is a paranormal podcast, I will spend thirty seconds talking about that. Uh, it was pretty good. You know, it was. I don't want to start a fucking internet flame war, but it was definitely. I enjoyed it better than the all-female Ghostbusters movie that came out a couple years ago. Um, Ghostbusters has long since been like the original Ghostbusters. It's probably like one of my favorite movies of all time. I had it on a tape growing up and I used to watch it over and over and over again. Um, yeah. It kind of had the perfect combination of like it was a horror movie and it was a it was a comedy and it was just kind of everything rolled into one. Um, but this one is was pretty good. Actually, I'd say I don't want to spoil too much of it, but I think kind of like the worst parts of it were when they tried to do too much of a uh, wink and a nod back to the uh, original franchise. Um, you know, I think it stood pretty strongly on its own as something new. And that what hurt it more than anything were uh, kind of at the end when they when they try to connect it to the previous movies. But I won't say too much more. Okay. And then uh, what else did I do this weekend? I watched the, um, the Atlantis Morissette documentary, which like... <laughs> all right <laughs> you you were like four years old when that album came out you have no do you even know who Alanis Morissette is or like have any kind of all right um so me and my wife watched that and had kind of related to it in different ways because it came out when we were both like freshman year in high school and for her it was um you know this like angry woman empowering album that was super popular at the time and for me it was like, you know, this template of women to be attracted to later on in life. Like I was more, I had a bigger crush on Alanis Morissette than I did like anyone on Baywatch. You know what I mean? Like I, I totally had the hots for like these weird, angry artist girls, um, which uh, probably ended up doing me more damage than if I had just been obsessed with like Pamela Anderson. But, uh, yeah, so I watched that, and that was pretty good. And uh, one more thing while I'm talking about my weekend before we get to CryptoCon. Because, <laughs> of course, I have a million and one questions to ask about that. Sure. Um, is that I do – I noticed 
last episode, I talked a lot about uh, the upcoming surgery and what I'm going through. And the one thing that I did not do is thank my wife for everything that she's done so far and everything that she will inevitably have to do in the future. So um, she's been very supportive during all of this. Uh, and, uh, I do want to take a minute to thank her and say, thank you, baby. Um, because this is a lot for all of us and, uh, she's been cool and she's been my, my driver and, uh, everything. And, um, you know, she's given me a lot more than rides, but, uh, no, I appreciate all the things she's done for me. And I just wanted to say that in a public forum before she steals all my fentanyl. So that's it. How <laughs> was which <laughs> since we last recorded, I've been on fentanyl twice, and I totally get why people die from that shit. It is awesome. Um, oh. But there, in case you were don't wondering, t- don't tell the listeners to do fentanyl. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not because the more they do, the less there is for me. I think y'all. I think y'all should stay the fuck away from fentanyl because I'm gonna want all the fentanyl. <laughs> uh no dude it's pretty it's pretty sweet people don't flush their lives away for bad drugs that's true you know what i mean like i've never i've never smoked crack proper um (laughs) i I had to add that caveat but i i will i i can imagine that if it's gonna make you you know lose your house it's gotta be pretty fucking good man and uh i can verify that fentanyl is definitely in that realm (laughs) you know (laughs) I, I get why Prince. I get why I got the better of Prince, man. He was motherfucking Prince, but uh, even Prince was unable to resist its charms. So did, did he die from fentanyl? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, oh, he did. Okay. Unfortunately, I don't know that. Well, so, okay. So the question, the million dollar question that I keep getting asked is, do do you have a date yet? Do we have a no? Date? Well, oh god, here we go with the time travel bullshit again. By the time this airs, I will. Um, I am spending all day Wednesday at Northwestern Hospital in downtown Chicago uh, getting yet another echocardiogram, meeting with yet another cardiologist, but more importantly, meeting with a uh, surgeon. And when I meet with the surgeon, he is going to uh, come up with a definitive plan of action. There's no more talking. Now it's time to fuck. You know what I mean? And uh, Wednesday, we are fucking at Northwestern. So we're going to set a... Uh, a definite plan of action, and then hopefully, definitely a date. Um, and if if a date isn't set on Wednesday, it's only because he's got to move some shit around and hopefully get set by Friday. But okay. yeah, that that is like what. Trust me, that is the fucking million dollar question that's on everyone's mind. You know, uh, when the fuck is this thing happening? Sure. So um, we should find that out. When you're listening to this, I probably know already. <laughs> so, so check, check your social medias. Yes. Um, yeah. When we know, you guys will know. You know. So it's, well, it's, not, it's, I don't know. You know, I've been. I so this is thing. You know, this, so I've talked about this on Twitter a lot because I talk about everything on Twitter a lot. Um, I've made a couple Instagram posts. I have not talked about this on Facebook, and you know how I kind of uh, separate my social media accounts, sure, to where there's certain audiences for each. And this, yeah, this is still not Facebook public because then it's like everybody in his Boy Scout troop. It's everybody at school. It's all my old coworkers. It's that chick that I fingered when I was 24 years old. It's like fucking literally everybody. Um, And I'm not about to like deal with that level of 
just people reaching out to ask questions and then say, if you need anything, let me know. Although I am putting motherfuckers to work. So if you come at me with that, if you need anything, let me know shit. I will have you come over and walk my dogs. Um, so don't, so watch your fucking mouth. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, you know me, I, I, I've been podcasting for the past five years. I'm not exactly like, like a fucking reserved guy, but you know, I think the more serious this starts to get and the more closer we get to fuck time, the less you'll probably see me on social media talking about it too much. I mean, obviously you're always going to be in the loop cause you're fucking you, but like, you know, I don't know, if, you know, go on the weird Wednesday twitter account and be like all right everybody fucking you know december 2nd at 7 a.m this Let's is going go time on. right so you know i don't know i'm That's still not con- i'm still not convinced that this whole thing isn't the byproduct of some fucking witch ex-girlfriend of mine like the less people know about the 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 specifics of the surgery the better i don't need people holding fucking anti-surgery black masses to try to fucking have me die on the table or something you know what i mean I mean, I'm not, you know, you know how goofy I am. Are, the, are, the you, fir- are you going to name drop or do we don't get to know who this, this mystery woman is? I don't want to give them power. No, I don't <laughs> even know if they fucking have anything to do with this, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm going to, I'm going to put, I'm going to play this one a little close to the chest uh, when it comes down to it. But yeah, I've, there'll be updates. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about me. Okay. That's what so how was Crypticon? Was the Adderall flowing? Well, you know how it goes. I don't think it's <laughs> um i mean you know uh, ooh, ooh. i'm not gonna say it, was, it wasn't bad of course it was wonderful to see all the people that i love and cherish and and hold dear in my heart but it wasn't as great as i, I think it should have been oh okay and you know that was not very cool so like you know we went the first night and um we went to uh the meet and greet or whatever and mm-hmm you know i walked in so at first i walk in and immediately i walk in the door and there's fucking uh jonathan dodd and like you know i'm I'm hanging out with him for a minute he's staying at the hotel jonathan dodd he does a bunch of artwork um he does amazing artwork actually um check him out and uh, jonathan dodd draws but i i run into him and you know we we say hi or whatever we hug it out and i'm like hey i'm gonna go to this meet and greet he's like meet and greet you know, I told him it was something that was, you know, specific to us as, you know, because we got the VIP tickets or whatever. And he's like, oh, so we would go to the meet and greet and we show up. I didn't know fucking anybody that was there. I didn't recognize any of these people. You know, it's supposed to be with like, you know, the speakers and things like that. I don't know who the fuck any of them were. And I'm like, oh, so me and Ann get there. It's super fucking lame. Right. And I'm like, Man, this kind of sucks. So, um, I texted fucking Dodd, and I was like, "Hey, buddy, um, um, we found the meet and greet area. You should come join us." And he's like, "Oh." So we went and found him, and we snuck him into the meet and greet, and, and it got a little more interesting. Then, um, I'm like, "I need you to tell me who these people are," and he's like, "Uh, I don't, uh. He's like, "I think that guy is from Mountain Monsters, but I don't know." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, all right." <laughs> so, um, which of course, you know, they were from Mountain Monsters. They were wearing fucking overalls and camo like <laughs> yeah that was that huge beard that was definitely the guys <laughs> um but anyway you know and then we went back to the hype house then we drank a lot and went to bed too late and um and woke up too early and uh gosh me and ann we were probably about 
I mean, I think we were like three hours late to the con itself. And so, you know, we get there. But, just because of a hangover? Uh, well, not just because of a hangover. Um, the, you know, I'll tell you off the air. But <laughs> someone was getting fucked? <laughs> no. Oh. No. I'll tell you. Right. Right. Um, it's fine. So, you know, but we get there and then it was just basically, I mean, my gosh. So the way that the whole, this whole place was set up, I mean, it was set up, there were three rooms, right, that were set up. Mm -hmm. um for vendors and so you know it's at a hotel so typical convention but like the one room that was the the paddock room area which i'm sure you guys have heard a lot about is basically where all of our friends were right and Mm -hmm. you know it's pretty much you know where the highlight this is where you want to hang out at the paddock room the paddock room was like in a weird fucking spot and it was like it was down this long hallway i mean this hallway was like five miles long it was so long Okay, one five miles, but it was it, it was it was ridiculous. It was weird, and it was just kind of away. It was like way away from everything else, and then it was like ten degrees hotter in there for some reason, and like it was just it was very it was very odd. So like you know you, we get there, and it took us about well, it took about it took us about a good three hours to walk the whole place to see all all the vendors, um, and you know then of course then again you know of course I'm I'm talking to everybody that I know you know some people I I hadn't met yet. Um, you know, there were some new faces that I hadn't had the chance to meet, but I've, I've talked to and been, you know, mutuals with online for a long time. Um, and, you know, so I, I talked to them for a bit or whatever. Uh, and then we got into the speakers. Um, you know, I, I, we went and I, I only saw two of the, um, you know, presentations. I saw Matt Moneymaker talk about video evidence, um, when she talked about the Matilda footage. I don't know who all here is familiar with the Matilda footage. Um, and back back in the day, back in the We Wednesday day days, uh, back when Ivy was the co-host of the show, we covered Bigfoot. And one of the things that we talked about was the Matilda footage. We talked about the Erickson project, which was the Bigfoot genome sequence. cloning thing, yeah. Right. And um, the Matilda footage was kind of a part of that. So, I mean, I was excited because, you know, I'll be honest with you, the Matilda footage, that's one of my favorites. A lot of people think it's fake. Um, but it's one of my favorite things in the world, but it just didn't, he just didn't really deliver. And Matt Moneymaker, he's like the man, he's like the man, the man, you know, and, uh, he's not really the man. I don't know why he is on TV and is very popular. Anyway, um, then we, then we watch Ron Moorhead, Ron, if you don't know who Ron Moorhead is, definitely check him out. Um, he's the man who recorded the famous Sierra sounds, which you've heard. I, I, even if you say you haven't heard them, you've heard them. If you're listening to the show, you've heard them. If not, go listen to them. I mean, go listen. Um, and, you know, Ron Moorhead has some very interesting theories on Bigfoot as kind of this weird interdimensional type creature. Um, but, you know, he kind of touches on quantum mechanics and things like that, which is really more up my, that's kind of more up my alley. So, um, but he was a pleasure. He was awesome. Yeah, I, I got to talk to him. He was really great to talk to. Um, <clears throat> you know, that was fine. And then just regular con stuff. I mean, they did the um, the podcasters panel, <laughs> you know, which mm-hmm. I was, which spill I was going t- to crash. Spill, it, spill the tea, spill the tea. Well, I really don't know because you know I'll tell you, we went. Me and Ann left for a while um, because this girl that so there was this girl who I've talked to on social media for like two years. I've never met her before, and she just randomly messages me and is like, "Hey, I'm gonna come to CryptoCon with you guys and stay at your hype house." And I'm like, "Cool." she's not really into cryptids <laughs> but she came and she when when she showed up she started telling us about cocaine bear which i'd never heard of before 
And so I don't know if you guys know about Cocaine Bear. I'm sure you've seen my my pictures, but uh, Cocaine Bear, there's this bear that like found a, a duffel bag with like 75 grand of cocaine in it and ate it. And then it went on a fucking rampage from Nashville, Tennessee to Kentucky. And then it its heart exploded. It overdosed on cocaine. <laughs> like, and so, Man, if that, if that doesn't hit a little close to home <laughs> for me right now, holy shit. All right, point taken, Anders. Yeah, point well, taken. true story. You know, so so this, this uh, you know, he died of, of his overdose or whatever. And we went and saw Cocaine Bear. Um, so we left CryptidCon for a little bit to go do that. And then we went out to dinner and uh, we came back about an hour late to the podcaster's panel. But it was it was really lame. I could tell you that. Um, you know, not because I mean, just from what we saw, maybe we had missed the exciting parts. But from what I understand, you know, some of the podcasters were even unhappy because some people were kind of bogarting the time, which I definitely see, you know, from what I saw could could have been occurring the whole time um, and things like that. So um, as a matter of fact, Sarah Sarah Cooper from the American Snally Gaster Museum and Manic Pixie Dream Ghouls, um, she got up and left. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there was that. So anyway, um, but it was crazy. I mean, day one was just, it was just so fast. It was like, you know, first I got to do this and I have to go do that and I have to go to that and I have to go to that. I mean, it was so, there was so much to do and see and look at, so many people to talk to um, that, I mean, realistically, they should, they should this should be a three-day event and even like sunday sunday was a shorter day you know saturday was nine to nine and then sunday was ten to five and so you know it just it it went by way too quick i feel like i didn't get to see my friends as much and i really didn't i really didn't get to hang out with anybody because then like you know saturday came and went and you know then we all went out we had a good time you know after work of course and then sunday came and i had to film all day because i hadn't filmed anything on saturday i wouldn't have been able to anyway um there were i mean there was at over a thousand people there. i mean it was so busy i there, i wouldn't have been able to because i don't want to keep up you know a lot of the people that i wanted to film are people that have tables and things like that and i don't want to keep them from you know their fans or whoever you know making a sale you know um, but Sunday, you know, ended up a lot better. I mean, Sunday, I, you know, I got to walk around. I filmed a lot more. I talked to a lot more people, um, made some really good connections with people. Um, I made a couple of new best friends, so that's good. And, uh, and then we went home. So <laughs> there's no fun, uh, crazy stories or anything like that. Um, you know, it was just, uh, it was a convention. I mean, nothing, nothing groundbreaking about it, but, you know, I definitely have some suggestions and things that I think that they could do better. Should people go? Absolutely, you should go. But you need to anticipate. If you want to do the things, you need to anticipate being there all weekend long. And even then, you might not even have the time to squeeze it all in. So, and you have to stop and see Cocaine Bear Wire in Lexington. So, there's that. That was Crypticon. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Questions, comments, concerns? Uh, no, I heard, you know, I heard that, uh, I feel like that's always a good complaint because this, you know, I, I do the, um, gaming conventions a lot and I was a comic-con nerd and I was sure. a, uh, a horror, I used to go to Fangoria weekend of horrors a lot when I was younger. And yeah, I mean, I think an overabundance of things to do and see is definitely, um, a good thing. I think sometimes too many vendors, uh, is you got to find the right balance between 
entertainment and vendors because if all it is is vendors all then it's like okay great i just came here to shop the whole fucking time and And, i mean it kind of was well i mean um, no they had they had speakers about every uh two hours and then those speakers got about an hour time slot yeah and so you know it, it wasn't like they didn't have you know presentations it's just that i felt like they were really they weren't done very well. So, like, one thing I'd mentioned, because we had did this, um, which it'll be premiering this Friday on the Bigfoot Society podcast. We did this uh, CryptidCon highlights kind of show. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Pat, I think you, you listened in on it. You were Yeah, I was, I, I, and I actually did. I was playing Pokemon uh, Diamond or whatever the whole Ooh, fucking time. stop so it. I was listening. Then I listened to everything. So. Yeah. And so, like, you know, a couple of the things, you know, that, that we had talked about was about, like, one thing that I had mentioned was that it was very Sasquatch heavy. And it's not Bigfoot Con, it's Cryptid Con. Like, there wasn't a lot of, of other cryptid representation in the presentations. And maybe it's just because, like, their big people that they had this year were the Finding Bigfoot people and Mountain Monsters, which, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, realistically, I would have rather seen actual researchers and not just TV personalities you know but maybe that's just coming from me i mean maybe other people go there because they want to see the you know the tv personalities i you know i don't know um because again my favorite was seeing ron moorhead who oh he's been on tv sure you know but he's he's he doesn't do it because of that he does it because he's a researcher you know what i mean and so i and then you know again i would have rather had had variety and the types of creatures that were being discussed and you know one guy even kind of messed up and and was like, oh, you guys are here for, you know, everybody's here for Sasquatch, and that's great. And it's like, no, everybody's not here for Sasquatch, sir. <laughs> you know, guys, I love Bigfoot. I really do. But, you know, there's more to cryptozoology than just Bigfoot. And I think that all of that is just equally, I've said it before, Bigfoot's really overrated. So it's almost the only thing anybody in this community talks about. And that's, you know, really, really unfortunate. But, um, you know, that that, and then, like I said, there really wasn't anything for kids to do. But there was a lot of fucking kids there. And like, you know, if you really want to make an impact on, on this community, uh, you know, going forward, then you really want to get the kids involved. You know, there's no reason not to make something interactive for the children. Um, there weren't workshops or anything like that. I mean, you had people at their individual booths that were, you know, demonstrating and putting things together and stuff like that. But, you know, not really anything um you know crazy or you know too fun i mean um what's his name oh god what's his name so this guy johnny he um has the back of the cereal box podcast um he was over there doing magic tricks which is great you know we we had krampus dressed up for the you know dream cools booth i mean you know some people had different things but it wasn't it, i don't know like i said it just to feel like there there should have been a lot more to it than just here see these tv personalities and then go buy some shit but that was just me Right. Well, you know, <clears throat> not to be uh, not to be a dick about it, but what do you it's in a whole entire convention based upon um, I don't want to say shit that isn't real, but like, you know, <laughs> like, what do you what do you think is going to happen? Like, no one's going to show up with a fucking Bigfoot and chains like it's no one's no one's going to debut any kind of like new information that was was peer reviewed and certifiable is not going to be debuted at one of these conventions this the the most you're going to get out of the speakers is information and theories that you've already heard about online 
foot evidence that you've already seen. No one's going to debut anything new at this, right? It, it, it this is going to be, you know, when when I was uh, when I was reading that book about the the spooks and disinformation campaign, the kind of basis of our catamulation episode, they talk a lot about the early MUFON um, conventions. And how that really, and it, what really impressed me about those gatherings was that that was a pre-internet era. And those conventions really kind of took on a different importance in the community than I think these conventions have now. Back then, that was the only way you were going to get a lot of these people together. A lot of the way, the only way you were going to, if you wrote a zine or you wrote a self-published book, it was the only way you were going to get copies in people's hands. Okay. One of the only ways, I mean, you still had mail order and shit. Right. But like in a pre-internet era, and I think this is something even Tobias might've said when we had him on the people that make stuff for his, or the interview we did with him for this show. I feel like this is something that he's echoed before too, is that conventions kind of don't have the same place in the community that they used to. And they used to be really vital and really like groundbreaking and, and, um, you know, there was a lot of thought leadership and there was a lot of like, you know, education and stuff going on. And now it's just fucking selling t-shirts and shit, you know? And, you know, and if, when there's even too much of t people selling shit that even that becomes overwhelming because you're not going there with $3,000 to spend on fucking stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so I think what the, what, what I'm hearing from you, and this is something that you guys even echoed last night as well is that there was a general dissatisfaction with it. Not that I'm saying it was a bust or anything. I ain't trying to yuck other people's yum just because I was getting a fucking angiogram at the time. Oh, no. And it definitely wasn't a bust. Yeah. No, no, no. But it just seems like there is an opportunity here for you guys to be the change that you want to see. And I think that... um, you know, I'm 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 a 40 year old punk rocker, so I am I am 100% DIY through and through. And I said this before, motherfucker, I live in Chicago. Like, let's do our own convention and let's do it the way you want to do it with the th- with the way you want to see it represented, and let's see how well it does, and let's see if people come to it, and let's see if you get the right types of speakers and the right types of panels. You know what I mean? With people that give the right types of penet- uh, <laughs> said penetration. Wow. Well, now that's a con I can get. I mean, hey, <laughs> do you do you know that they do AVN and like G three at the same time? No, uh, no. Yeah, you know what G three is, right? The gaming convention or yeah. whatever. They they for the longest time in Vegas, they would have both of those at the same time. And the same. You have all the por- um. Well, I mean, Vegas it might be across the fucking whatever. Sure. But my point is, is that they purposely did that because you wanted all the nerds and all the porn oh, yeah. stars together at the same time, and you, you, you people would get passes for both, and they go back and forth for both. So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely we could we could do a, a, a you know Exotica well, rip off and do a Crypticon <laughs> rip off at the same place. The same you know, I'm, I mean, I like I'm not gonna lie. Like my biggest the my biggest gripe about it, honestly, is is just that I. Um, I didn't get to see my friends very much because like they were so busy with all of the, you know, all of the people that they're selling shit to, which I'm happy about that. Um, you know, and then I was also so busy trying to buy other people's stuff and, you know, which is great, but I feel like that, that's the part that was kind of missing this go round compared to others, because for me, you know, this is an opportunity to go and hang out with my friends and hang out with the community that I feel like I really belong in. I mean, now don't get me wrong. I talk to plenty of people, uh, plenty of other people 
you know, outside of, of my regular circle um, and people that weren't vendors, just regular people that were there attending, you know, and I got some very interesting stories. Um, some guy, you know, told myself and uh, Alex Petikov about, um, you know, his champ sighting. And that was really cool, you know, and, you know, you got these people that show you pictures and things like that. Um, which is great. And then kind of how I explained it on the panel last night is like you would be having one conversation with one person, somebody overhears it, and then they join the conversation. Then your one person you're talking to walks away, but you're still talking to this person and then somebody else joins in, you know, and you would kind of get stuck in like these little like pockets of the conversation for a, a good couple of hours. And it wasn't, you know, like it was a bad thing. It was interesting. Um, but again, you know, my, my biggest issue was that, you know, I didn't get to see my friends and I didn't really get to um, feel like I participated in anything extra. Like I tell you right now, um, <clears throat> it was not worth it to pay a hundred dollars for these tickets that we got. <laughs> that was just not. Yeah. Uh, that, that there was no extra. Per I mean, you were we were supposed to get like preferred seating during the the presentations, but the rooms were. I mean, I get the rooms were too small. I mean, you'd think they could like count out how many of these VIP tickets they sold and at least set up that many chairs. That didn't happen. Or people were just taking them. I don't know. It's not like anybody was checking, you know, and that was really it. We didn't get any discounts. We, you know, there was no, I mean, there was no anything extra. Um, so, you know, that, that was kind of lousy, but, um, you know i mean those are my biggest things and again i feel like it, it there should be another day because they did have an overwhelming amount of vendors and and things like that and i mean not, you know and you say vendors it's not just like people that make and sell art like they're podcasters they're you know content creators they're authors they're documentary filmmakers you know what i mean and so you want to take your time with those people and be able to talk with them and they also want to do the same thing but you get burnt out really easily and really quickly because, you know, you're doing this and you only have a very finite amount of time to do it. And you're just like, you know, and I, I wasn't even vending and I had people coming up to me. Oh, hey, you're Asher. So, hey, I follow you on social media. I listen to your show. I, you know, I can't wait for your documentary. This, that, that. And I didn't even have a table. Right. And and I know how it felt because. I would talk to them and it was just very much like, Oh, Hey, thanks. Great. I'm glad you like the stuff. I got to go by. And that, that felt really bad. That did not feel good, man. That felt really bad. And so, um, you know, I, I didn't like that part. So I, I agree. And I think having another day because the only time it really started to slow down finally, finally was like the last two hours, you know, of the whole event. Um, and, and then that was, you know, and then it was okay. So, you know, but that's, that's just what I have to say about it. Again, it was a great time. I'm, I'm definitely going to go next year. Um, but like, I mean, I like Cryptid Bash better. <laughs> I like Braxy Bazaar better and Braxy Bazaar was small. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, but, um, I, you know, maybe we'll get together. We, you know, we were talking about it. Maybe we'll get together with the organizers and, and talk about, you know, what kinds of things we would like to see there. And, um, maybe they'll do take your own. the feedback. Do your own. I keep telling everybody that you want to do one. So and you want to Chicago. It's a big, I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. it's... They're all here for it. So, um, you need to get the surgery done and, and heal. And then we need to uh, plan this out. So, you know, soon to be announced, um, you know, <laughs> on, on Wednesdays, we talk weird on the weekend or something like that. I don't know. We'll call it something. I don't know. Fucking give us your name suggestions. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I, th but, I think we keep our name far, far away from it. And we come up with a, a like a neutral third party name for it. And that way people don't, 
people don't like fucking shit on it just because they think that it's ours. You know what I mean? Why like, they shit on it? Because they, I mean, why would? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you people know. don't hate us. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. The internet, of course, somebody hates us. I would, I would just say, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll worry about it later. But, anyway, yeah. so that yeah, that was that was my weekend. That's what I did this weekend. Nice. So very, very exciting stuff. Um, let's get into some news. You want to hear some news? I would love to. Some some cool news. Um, I sent you a video earlier, and I hope you saw it. Oh yeah, the ghost dog. Yeah, there's video came out of of a ghost dog running around. Uh, you know, someone's yard with their dog, like playing with with their dog. And um, you know, I'm usually not crazy about these ghost videos. I'll be honest with you, that is like the last thing in the world that I care to look at. Um, because usually it's just, you know, a speck of dust or something, some fog or some shit, you know, it's not anything. It's usually not anything. Um, but I don't know what to think about this one. Pat, what do you, and, and of course the video's down in the description. If you want to go watch it real quick, um, and come back before we talk about it. I mean, there's going to be mass spoilers. I, you know, the spoiler alert, uh, you know, I guess. <laughs> right. It, it, you know what? It seems, um, there is the one thing that caught, I don't know the rules of ghosts, sure. but, um, there's there's scenes where the dogs where the dog is kind of like like jumping up towards the ghost dog and they're um they're meeting each other you know what i mean like i see my dogs do that where yeah. they kind of, they're like not like lunge at each other because it makes it sound real violent but it's playful there and, and um, it is a very playful even like the real right. dog is is happy it looks like yeah but when they the way they connect like that it, it does seem like it's physically meeting something yeah, like it's jumping and it's bumping into something that's kind of pushing it back and meeting it in midair. So I don't know if ghosts are supposed to be like ethereal where they pass through it or something. Like once again, I don't know the rules. Um, but that the way I saw it meet, it made me think that maybe that was some kind of visual effect to like fade out the other. Sure. There was two dogs in that video, and the other one was kind of like faded out. But um, you know, I have dogs. I have two of them. And they do weird shit, and they run around seemingly in circles chasing themselves. And it also made me think, fuck, maybe that's what my dogs are doing out there. It's chasing playing. other ghost dogs. <laughs> playing, a ghost, playing with a ghost dog. At yeah. one point in the video, so, like, when the video starts, like, you see kind of just, like, a, a general shape, right? And you're like, oh, okay. And then, you know, they kind of zoom past, and they zoom off camera, the dog in, in, the, sh- in the shape. Mm-hmm. Zoom off camera, and then they come they come back around and like while it's kind of coming more into focus you kind of start seeing more and more detail of it and there's like one shot in particular where you can see like a dog like to me i'm like well that's just another dog you know it it just looks like it just straight up looks like another dog um you know but then of course it kind of fades out again you don't really see it in complete you know dog form it just looks definitely like it's there but it's not there um you know so i don't know um i mean of course could it be a video effect absolutely anything can it's 2021 um but you know if if it's not if it's not a video effect i there i have no other worldly explanation for it unless we have translucent dogs now and um <laughs> i don't think we've discovered those yet so new cryptid maybe i don't know i, I was gonna hold off and talk about this um after um because of course you know people have sent me this video over and over again um you know they want to know what i think about it. i was going to talk talk about when we revisited the dog man but 
um because some people are like oh it's a dog man that's not no that's not a dog man that's not what a dog man is um a dog man uh is not a ghost dog so there's that that's my opinion um that's that's my expert opinion on, on the matter but it's you know i think it's definitely it definitely could be something i think i have to dig into it a little bit more but you know i'd like to see where the the video originated from i mean if we find out that like the homeowner the dog owner whatever is you know some college special effects student like then yeah it's probably right. bullshit you know so yeah i think you would need you would definitely need some context for that video right like how much is what's the history been of that house uh sure. the area are there are the neighbors seeing stuff is there reports of dead chickens down the road or some shit like that did they lose is a dog it, recently i mean you know what you is know. it a final wolf is it is it something that's just that white because it it is kind of it is kind of like it, I, you know what I mean? Well, like what, I said, at one point in the video, it almost looks like it takes complete shape and like you can see it and it's like, oh, okay, that's just a really bad, it's just bad camera quality. It's not really able to focus on it for whatever reason, you know, but, but I don't, I don't necessarily think so just because of the way it moves and whatever. I mean, you know, again, I encourage you guys go watch the video. Um, you know, let us know what you think. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> so the ghost dog, there's that. Um, another one that I wanted to talk about real quick is, uh, there was this uh, guy in India who got into a, a motorcycle accident and, you know, he was taken to the hospital and he was pretty much uh, an announced dead on arrival. And, you know, they, they put him in the morgue freezer six hours later when his family came to claim his body and, um, you know, whatnot, they, there were signs of movement and uh turns out he wasn't dead he wasn't actually dead but the doctors there insist i mean he was checked out by multiple doctors and a medical examiner they were getting ready to sign off on an autopsy you know because he, the, the man was dead and that's what the doctors say they insist that it's not negligence because he had no heartbeat and no signs of life um the man now right now he's in a coma he hasn't completely woken up you know he's in coma he hasn't woken up yet um but he is still in the hospital and he is still as of right now alive and the family is pissed off um very interesting you know that's something again that ivy and i covered on the show and i i, I don't remember it might have been when we talked about death but I, I don't remember exactly when it was but um you know we've talked about these instances of people being declared dead and you know getting back up again i mean the one that always sticks out in my mind and I think maybe it happened in Brazil because everything fucking happens in Brazil. <laughs> um, but, right. I mean, if it's weird, it's in Brazil. I promise you, um, you know, but um, a little boy died and their practices there is that they'll leave the body in the home to let family members come and have the viewing. And so he's at home. They're doing their, their viewing thing. The little boy sat up and asked for a glass of water and then laid back down and died again. They rushed him to the hospital and he was dead. There's no signs of life. There's no explanation for that whatsoever. Uh. Um, you know, and things like this happen a lot. Now, some people continue to live, you know, they, they wake up and they live or some people again, wake up in the morgue, things like that. Um, I read a short Stephen King novel about um, a guy who was, who was awake, sort of, kind of. Um, but he was under, you know, under in the autopsy, you know, room getting ready to be sliced open. And he's like trying to show them signs that he's awake at all. And he's just listening to the conversations and kind of grappling with the fact that, you know, if he's not dead, he is going to die or maybe he is dead. And this is what death is now. 
Uh, but, you know, he woke up and, and uh, it was great, you know. So I think that's always interesting. Pat, what do you think about people that wake up from the dead? Uh, that's why I'm getting cremated. Why? So that fucking, I just, I'm gone. You know what I mean? None of that shit. None, accidentally getting buried alive. None, nothing. Just, uh, you know. So you'd rather get burned alive instead? <laughs> I guess. Well, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Is that better? I mean, I don't know. At least it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, well, it sucks either way. Yeah. Um, sure. I don't know, man. It's it's uh, some heavy shit, you know? No, yeah. It's, that's, I mean, you know, death is something that's really, really difficult for a lot of people to talk about. You know, we don't know what it's like to die. And so when we're faced with our own mortality, um, in any sense of the word, and something like this definitely makes you think about it. Um, you know, because what if that is the reality? What if you die, but you don't really die and you're still there in your body, but you can't control your body anymore? Um, you know, and different things like that. So, you know, and, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants to wake up at their own funeral. Nobody wants to wake up in an autopsy room. Um, you know, nobody wants that type of thing, but, um, I don't know. It's always interesting and always weird to hear these stories happen. I mean, death is a natural part of life. It happens. We all die. We're all going to die. You're going to die. I'm going to die. And it's just going to happen. And, uh, so, <laughs> but you know, I have talked to people. That is something that I've, I've kind of dipped my toe into, um, researching topics on is, um, you know, the moments leading up to death for people and kind of how they, um, interact with the world around them and um it, it, it mostly started for me when my grandmother had some really weird experiences right before she died and um you know I, I i i don't know it's a weird it's a weird fascination but i also have people that i like to talk to people who have clinically died and, and be, been resuscitated um and you know a lot of them say it's just the same thing nothing happens nothing and as kind of weird as that is i find that extremely comforting so yeah i mean okay so i guess we'll turn this into a conversation um i don't uh, just kind of going through what i'm going through right now you would think that um that death or the idea of afterlife or or the extent of the afterlife is something that i would have spent a lot of time worrying about or focusing on and it never has been um you know I'm definitely, I'm definitely a religious person by nature, but I don't think that the idea of there being an afterlife is anything that I've clinged on to too strongly or spent too much time worrying about. Because at that point, there's nothing you can do about it one way or the other. Um, I think that there's enough reasons to go through the, through our current life now and not be a fucking jagoff that I don't do it because I'm worried about going to heaven or hell or anything like that. Uh, whether or not, you know, when I expire, whether or not the lights go out and that's all there is to it, or I get reborn as a somebody else, or I go to the Pleiades, you know what I mean? Like, whatever happens, uh, is there's probably very little I can do about it right now. So I'm not going to sweat that, you know what I mean? Um, no, and I, th I think that's a very smart way to do it. I mean, because like you said, you can't, I mean, why? Why worry about it? There's no reason to. Right. Yeah. I'm more worried about uh, making sure my alarm's set for tomorrow morning or that my kid's fucking lunch is packed for school. Right. You know, like that's, that's just kind of what occupies my mind now. I, and I, I think that that's something that, you know, as children, and this is as a parent, you know, you, you kind of, I'm sure you pick up on this. There's so much stuff that like, you know, you, you come across as a kid for the first time 
And um, depending on how you process it, kind of defines the, your your relationship with it for the rest of your life. Like, do you know what anal retentive really means? Okay, so anal retentive, it's a term that we hear a lot. And um, we kind of know what it means when you hear that somebody's anal retentive, they're a control freak, right? And that's because when a kid, when a baby or a toddler learns to hold their shit in, it's such a monumental like thing in some toddlers lives that they never move past it right because as 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 infants and toddlers are, are growing up they kind of just shit and then they're covered in shit and they don't like it and they cry and blah 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 but at some point they realize wait a minute i can hold it in and it's kind of the first form of control that they learn so anal retentive people are people that learned that aspect of control and it really defined the rest of their shit moving forward, right? And that's why they're control freaks. They're anal retentive. You know, they're, they're holding on to that feeling of power that they got the first time they learned to hold in their bowel movement. And I feel like the same thing kind of applies to something like life after death, right? The first time that a child conceptualizes the fact that they're going to die and that something or nothing is going to happen afterwards, that's a big moment in a, in a human being's development. And some people move past it and some people don't. The people that don't move past it spend the rest of their life obsessed with this idea of what happens when I die. Where do I go? Am I going to heaven? Am I going to hell? This is what this belief system says. This is what that belief system says. And it, it, it not maybe doesn't completely define their life, but definitely puts it on a certain trajectory. Um, and I've just never been like that. Like, whatever fucking is going to happen whatever man yeah <laughs> you know i i definitely have my preferences <laughs> but uh yeah i'm not going to i'm not going to lose sleep over it and i'm not going to freak the fuck out cuz i can hold my poo in you know there's uh there's other things that i believe require my attention like breasts yeah. you know <laughs> which is sure. obviously anyone that listens to this show knows the part of my development that i've been hung up on so uh but to each their own yeah, I mean, I, well, and I think it's, I mean, the reason why it's not a good thing, I don't think you should sit here and focus on, on death or anything like that, but, like, one thing that happens when people die is, like, you don't you don't plan for it. Like, because it's an uncomfortable conversation to have, you don't plan for what happens when you die. My grandmother, when she died, she had it all taken care of. Her whole funeral was planned, everything. It was done. You know, we as a family did not have to worry about it. And let me tell you, that was the best gift that she could have ever given us because it gave us time to do what we're supposed to be doing when somebody dies, and that's grieve. And it it was great to have that pressure taken off. And it was great to not have to question, like, well, what, you know, did she want to be buried? She want to be cremated? You know, it, we didn't have to know her dying wishes. She wrote it all down. It was all done, and it was all good. Um, you, you can't be you can't be scared to have that conversation with yourself or your loved ones or whatever, because the, again, the greatest gift that you're going to give to them is to have that shit already planned out. Um, you know, and that's just what I say about it. My, I mean, my aunt, you know, recently was dying as well as dying and somehow a miracle happened and she's still alive and it's crazy. But anyway, um, you know, the crazy thing about it was that her whole life was contingent on whether or not she stayed hooked up to life support and we had a big family fight over whether or not she wanted that. Now, granted, she's thankful now that her husband, who was the only person that wanted to keep her on life support, fought so hard to have that happen because everybody else in the family would have pulled the plug on her and she wouldn't be here anymore. But nobody really knew what she wanted. Yeah. 
And so, you know, have that conversation because it's very, very important for people in your life to know what, you know, how you want to spend the rest of your days and, and then what to do with you afterwards, because you're not using your body and shit anymore. I mean, at least do that much. Um, but anyway, so that's all the news that I had this week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I have, I have two stories I wanted to talk about real quick. Sure. Completely different, uh, completely different fucking topics. Uh, one of them is uh, NASA uses a spacecraft to knock an asteroid off course. So this is uh, a new program that NASA is coming up with. Uh, it's called the DART mission, stands for Double Asteroid Redirection Test. And later this week, they're going to launch a small spacecraft that is going to knock an asteroid that's more than 6 million miles away off its course. Now, this asteroid is not headed towards Earth, right? Um, what they're just kind of doing, what they're doing this test for is to see that if push comes to shove, if this method would work to redirect asteroids away from the planet. So, uh, and as you know, I said that it's, it's DART stands for double asteroid redirection test. Once it does the first asteroid, it's going to fly over and do the same thing using slightly different methods on a different asteroid as well. So they're, they're getting two test runs out of one spacecraft. But yeah, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, obviously, extinction extinction through asteroid impact is something that's happened on this planet before. Uh, could very well potentially happen again. And um, you know, it's nice that they're taking uh, steps to ensure that it doesn't happen. Even though this one is pretty much right out of the movie Deep Impact. But still, you know. <laughs> well, right. I mean, I think it's really well. I mean, it's it's not that far off topic. Again, I think it's really important to have a plan in place for when, you know, when and if something like this happens, um, you know, and, and that's not something that we've had the advantage of of having. Um, so, you know, why not do it? You know, because what the fuck are we going to do when we have an asteroid heading towards our planet or whatever? Um, you know, we, we need to be prepared for something like that. So go ahead and do it while it's not a dire situation. Right. Well, and, and the frequency of which this has happened, I mean... I don't need to explain this to the audience. Like, clearly this has happened on our planet before. There's lots of craters and shit. That's how the dinosaurs fucking died or whatever. Um, based on the frequency of which this has happened in the past um, and the prevalence of uh, kind of underground bunkers and the seed vaults and shit that we know that different governments buy or build for continuity of government, a lot of people think that this is going to happen again. And not only that this is going to happen again, but it's been known for, you know several years now maybe even decades that this is going to happen and that we're taking steps to uh make sure that at least some of the population or the or you know or the species in total or the you know the species the humanity does survive something like this happening right sure. um so this is something that you see pop up in a lot of conspiracy theories that there's there's an asteroid coming there ain't shit we can do about it except uh you know build the bunkers for the people we could build bunkers for and and who knows maybe a program like this will end up saving us all after all so uh, i want to talk about that the other thing i wanted to talk about is kind of uh it's it's something that's been on my radar for probably i can say easily decades now and it's starting to gain a lot of traction in pop culture and uh something i've always, living it's a chicago story it's something i've always known about in chicago but uh, the, the 34th 34th anniversary of it was this week and I saw lots of people all over the internet, all over Twitter, 
talking about it, people not from the Midwest, people not from Chicago. So I thought that it would be good to talk about on our show and kind of help spread the uh, help spread the story even further. And that is the Max Hedrum signal hijacking. Okay. So do, yeah. do you know about this story? Oh, yeah. Okay. So for their audience that doesn't, um, first let me talk about Max Hedrum because I don't know. How, it's it was it's kind of this weird thing from the 80s that – you know, I, I don't think people necessarily understand the context of people might have heard of the signal hijacking, but not have heard of the TV show. Max Headroom was this like uh, it was a video DJ. It was like a, a, a video, like a music video ho- host on uh, the BBC, and it was played by Canadian actor Matt Frewer. So Matt Frewer was the lawnmower man. He was. Um, trash can man in the original stand miniseries he if the dawn of the dead remake he was the guy with the daughter that ving rames shoots before he turns into a zombie and like the first half of the movie um you would recognize him if you saw him he's been in some stuff he was in honey i shrunk the kids he was the jagoff neighbor dad um Mm -hmm. so he got his start as in the mid 80s playing this artificial intelligence music like mtv host and the concept was was that the computers were not didn't have enough memory to host the full ai for this for this character for this like max hedrum person and that would make him kind of stutter and spasm and if if you see like if you see like footage of him you'll probably be like oh that's what that is because it was something that it started as this thing for bbc channel 4 uh they made a tv movie out of it uh it was a tv show on abc for two seasons and it was something that popped up in a lot more commercials and like tangent like marketing things than it ever was like a a cohesive like coherent like thing right kind of like the california raisins right where everyone knows what the california raisins is but it's like no dude they were legitimately trying to sell raisins but you think about the california raisins christmas special think about all this other shit that you saw but it was literally just this marketing campaign for the California, like, Agricultural Council or some shit, right? Or, like, Max- annoyed. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And, and it, Max Hedrum was kind of the same thing. It was this weird thing that, like, just kept happening in the 80s. And they kept using it. And people, it kind of personified the 80s. Like, this neo-futuristic, weird shit, right? Well, the Max Hedrum signal hijacking happened uh, November 22nd, 1987. And it happened on a Sunday night here in Chicago. Happened uh, first with WGN, which here in Chicago is Channel 9, but it's also like a nationally syndicated station. Like, I'm sure you have WGN in Ohio and stuff, you know. If you think of the three major networks here in the United States, you have ABC, NBC, and CBS, right? WGN was like the third one, was like the fourth one. And WGN was broadcast out of Chicago. And here it's just kind of a TV show where like a station where like they show Cubs games and friends reruns, but everyone got it all over the United States. Uh, and then it was also uh, the other station that was affected was WTTW channel 11, which is our PBS station here. And the first incident happened um, at, uh, let's see, what is it? Uh, during the nine o'clock news, it was only for about a minute um and uh, i'm sorry 28 seconds and someone was able to hack in and it was just video of themselves with a max headroom mask on standing in front of a corrugated metal wall um just kind of saying like crazy shit 
and then boom, signal gets cut off. WGN was able to overpower the signal, change the transponder channels or whatever, and then override the hijack, right? Well, uh, about two hours later, they were able to hack into WTTW Channel 11 during an episode of Doctor Who. And when that happened, they were able to override the signal for a couple minutes and just said a lot of weird shit. Um, wasn't anything threatening, wasn't anything necessarily cryptic. At one point, uh, the character was spanked by a woman with a fly swatter and just all kinds of weird shit. It was someone just kind of like reveling in the fact that I've hijacked your fucking radio, your, your TV signal. Right. And then eventually they just stopped on their own, right? And um, this kind of became this like crazy thing that happened. And and in the 80s and 70s and 80s, this happened sporadically over the uh, all over the United States where people would kind of, you know, when you were dealing with satellite dish technology, it was very easy to intercept and very easy to override these signals. And um, there was the Captain Midnight thing that happened down in Texas uh where someone was able to hijack a texas tv station did the same thing captain midnight and lots of bands have been calling themselves captain midnight ever since because you know it's kind of a nerd fucking joke but uh yeah they never caught the person that did it and um based on where they would have to be to do something like this they would have to be in direct eyeline of both the transmitters for wgn and wttw they most likely were living in the Hancock Center at the time, which means they were probably wealthy, which means they were probably somebody that had was, was like a, an engineer or somebody with a technical background that worked at one of those stations that had potentially lost their job or gotten fired. was just being a jag off. Um, and I'm sure they probably have an idea who did it. No one's ever come forward since either. And the statute of limitations was up after five years. So ever since like the mid nineties, someone could have come forward and said it was me. Right. Right. No one, no one's done that. But, um, you know, I'm sure based on the, the amount of equipment and technical expertise and the physical location that you would need to be in to do something like this, I'm sure the FCC and the government figured out who it was and probably said to them, don't ever fucking do this again. You know what I mean? Like they didn't do anything crazy. They didn't start mass hysteria. They didn't fake an alien invasion. All they did was override the TV stations, but don't do this shit again. And they probably didn't. They probably never come forward since, but um, it was always, it was always really interesting to me. Um, I, I kind of, it's crazy to think of, um, you know, I, when I was younger, I, I, I was super involved with public access. Um, because, you know, part of part of the deal that the cable stations worked out with the FCC is that because cable pay cable stations were utilizing the airwaves to broadcast HBO and the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon and Showtime right. and all this shit, they have to set aside a certain um, certain amount of equipment and uh, airtime for the general public. And that's why you have these public access stations that pop up. And um, I always thought it was cool because you could go on there and you can make your own TV show. And I've worked on a couple public access shows over the years. Um, and, you know, the idea that like all of this equipment is like kind of made available to the public was always like super interesting to me. And, you know, it's crazy to think that like back in the 80s, like this stuff was like very much out there. Like as technically advanced as we think we are now with iPads and stuff like that. Um, and it, yeah, everyone's got a supercomputer in their pocket, you know, that kind of mentality. Nothing compares to nerds of the 80s and the shit that like a really motivated fucking geek could do with equipment that you bought at Radio Shack. 
um because you used to be able to do some really fucking cool shit and uh the idea that somebody did this back in the day always always kind of stuck with me and now it's it's gaining popularity this whole thing is becoming kind of mythic now so what 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 do you mean it was when it when it happened i i mean max headroom something i've always heard of but maybe it's because i'm weird i you know i don't know um it is kind of a strange thing because like it's always put into the category of like something cryptic or scary or and it's not you know but it doesn't really fit anywhere else i mean it was just kind of stupid i mean it was it was a big prank it was it was dumb you know well, you, you have to reconcile the person with the technical ability to do something like this probably doesn't have the same type of brain to come up with something worthwhile to do once they do it like he really should have had like a partner that was like all right you come up with how we're gonna do it i'll come up with what we do once we do it right right <laughs> you know he's I mean? like i'm just gonna say some dumb shit and get spanked by a fly swatter like it, yeah. it was that was that's what they came up with like they yeah. had the freaking yeah. air time and that's what they did with it and you know but but it does it still falls into that category i mean maybe we'll do a show one day on like um you know cryptic broadcasts or whatever and if we do we'll talk more about it in depth i mean i don't think there's much else to say but that's usually where you find out about the max headroom incident is is you know it's it's just kind of thrown into the mix of like these weird broadcasts and there have been weird ones out there yeah um but this was not like i said this one wasn't scary at all there there wasn't anything you know there wasn't anything scary about it or weird about it i mean it was weird but not in a scary way just in a stupid silly fun way it was you know but but kudos to them i mean do you think that they'll ever come forward you know i I don't th- who maybe because I mean like I said the statute of limitations was over I think in like 92 it was five, only five years so definitely they could at this point um, and if you think about the fact that it was 34 years ago if the person that did it did it I mean just based on their behavior you have to assume they were probably between their 20s and or, like late 20s early 30s like you know they'd be about 60 by now so I don't know why they wouldn't just say who it was that's why i wonder if like they were paid a visit if like you know the fcc was able to triangulate like the position of the person that would do it and you say okay it was someone in this high rise and now we're gonna look at who lives in these 10 apartments and you're right you got a lawyer you got a veterinarian and you have a you know electrical engineer that worked at wttw like i wonder which one it was right like i'm sure they could have narrowed it down who did it but you can't prove it and is it that big of a deal? And do you want there to be a lot of attention drawn on what this person was able to do and how they did it? Or do you just want the whole thing to kind of be a mystery and eventually just go away? You right. know? Um, and I think it's interesting. I would I would like to ask you, how did like this popped up on my radar because I'm from here. How how did this how did you hear about this for the first time? Well, I told you, I mean, it's just in the mix of like other weird broadcast i mean because when you like weird stuff it's thrown into right. that weird stuff category i mean yeah. <laughs> i don't know i couldn't tell you exactly when and where and how yeah. um it's very popular on the internet it's something a lot of people on the internet talk about so yeah i think i noticed it this year because this is the week this is the week of the anniversary i noticed it a lot this week and that's what made me want to talk about it on the show because i i saw a guy um actually the boys bible study podcast and i which i absolutely adore that guy's from pennsylvania and he lives in la and he was wearing a um max headroom thing shirt on and i was like what the fuck first of all there's clothes second of all like this dude isn't anywhere near here and he knows about it 
And that's when I realized how, how kind of far the story had spread. But yeah, you know, it's shocking to me that you don't realize that it's a big story. Well, when you live here, it all kind of already is. But I, I just can't imagine people from outside of here having so much interest in it. Just because, like you said, he, what he did was, what they did was interesting. But what they did with it wasn't. So it's kind of an interesting story. Yeah. But it, then it kind of really isn't. And it doesn't really um, fit anywhere. Now, doing a loss brought, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, however you want, want to do it, like however you want to frame it, do an episode on this stuff. I still think it's a decent idea because I know that there's been a couple that have been way more like spooky. Oh, and yeah. The, and the things that they've said in the, you know, uh, so I would I would love to do that because I do think that's a really cool idea. Oh, yeah. Um, but this one kind of, you know, it's kind of like a, a sexy one, but it doesn't, you know, it's not that. If you think getting spanked with flash water is a sexy, I mean, I do. I have a video for you, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But but I, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, this one is not. This one's not scary, and so it is funny that that everybody knows about it. Um, meanwhile, you know, there are broadcasts that have kind of. I mean, can you think of a single other interrupted broadcast that was scary? Just think of one right now. Can you think of one? Yeah. Can you? Yeah, there was one. Um... There was one that I think was also from down in Texas and, um, and it was like a warning and I forget what it said, but I remember reading about it in the eighties and it was like, it was something about kind of like, you ever heard that area 51 caller from coast to coast? Oh yeah. It was kind of, it was like that, but it was in text form and it was in the middle of, it was the middle of a TV, uh, a TV show or something. And they were able to override the signal, and it was just like a text thing, and it was some kind of warning about something that was going to happen, and um, and it, it was aliens too. It had something to do with aliens. It might have been just some crank, but it was at least somebody with a little bit more creativity to fuck with people than the Max Headroom thing, which was just kind of like this childish prank. So it's like, no. and maybe like, maybe it's because it's fresh in your brain because you had anticipated anticipated talking about the Max Headroom thing for this episode or you had been reading about it recently. But at any given point in time, just without context, without me having to research it, somebody's like, hey, have you heard of the Max Headroom thing? I'm like, yeah, that's that's that time when that guy put on that Max, Max Headroom mask and got spanked with the flies water. And that's really, <laughs> I can't name another broad i can't name a creepy broadcast like yeah I've, I've, I've read about them i've heard about them i've watched videos about them or whatever but like i can't name one incident but i can name that one and i don't know why right. <laughs> so, i don't know but yeah i think that would make for for a good episode um anyway uh oh do we want to talk about this guy yeah i mean we've, we came all this way let's fuck this this fucking guy you, you are just so about that, that that fucking tonight huh is that... <laughs> my days are numbered ashers <laughs> um anyway uh so again you know i say this every week you guys know what the show's about um but you know it's only an hour into the episode and we're just now getting to it um but <laughs> that's okay hey we like the party here um gotta live your life like cocaine bear um anyway so Elliot Roger is also another very popular internet thing um, because he, he mostly was very much on the internet. Well, nobody really knew who the hell he was when he was alive, but, um, you know, he, he gained a lot of um, uh, hmm, eyes 
after he had did what he did. So Elliot Roger was this 22-year-old guy who was responsible for the, what was it, Santa Barbara Massacre? Isla Vista. Isla Vista. Uh, yeah. is, it, is it Isla Vista? Yeah, Isla Vista Killings, 2014. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. There's uh, so many names and places. Anyway, um, so, you know, basically he went on this rampage out of nowhere and um, uh, killed his roommates, you know. Uh, well, he killed his two roommates plus an, another, their friend, um, stabbed them a crazy amount of times. And then he went and was trying to break into the sorority and he couldn't do that. So he shot a couple of girls outside of the sorority he shot some other people or tried to shoot some other people. He ran some people over his car. He got into a shootout with the police and then eventually shot himself in the head. Um, and, you know, that's all terrible and horrible and that's not great. Um, but what, what ended up coming out of this afterwards was that he did it because he's a virgin or something. Um, <laughs> I mean, pretty much that's, that's why he did this. Um, he had a really intense hatred of women and you know it ended up showing so right before he went on this rampage um leading up to this point he had been posting all these strange videos on youtube um he started you know he was using the internet quite a bit um he was on different forums and things like that he had a blog and i mean basically every video was why don't women want me i'm irresistible and i'm the perfect man and i'm just beautiful and great and wonderful um you know women just suck and i know that if you're a woman listening to the show like you've heard these type of guys like these type of guys are usually the ones that are in your dms right and i uh, you know I, I know i know how it goes and so a lot of people could kind of relate to this type of individual and it really sh it really shined a light on on these type of people which are male basically i mean you know are there women out there like this i'm sure but i mean they're pretty much all men um you know and you know this kind of culture which you know now i'm sure people are familiar with the term incel and i think that the biggest reason why is because of the situation with elliot roger and so that's the i mean that's that's mostly all of it but we're you know we'll, we'll talk some more detail so pat did, you didn't know anything about this right when i brought it up to you no i knew about the incel thing one thing i do want to bring up real quick is that um you know you, you talked about women having to do like this is something that's you know kind of uh geared towards men but actually the the founder of the incel community was a woman and what's interesting is that she was uh she was based out of Canada, just like this guy was initially. Her name is uh, Anna Foster. Um, I'm sorry, her name is Alana. Uh, but she's actually from Toronto. And she started a website called uh, Alana's Involuntary Celibacy Project. And it was for people who were uh, struggling to form loving relationships. And it was just kind of like a message board in the 90s, uh, like the early advent of the internet. And... Um, you know, by 2000, she kind of moved away from it. She had found somebody and was like moving forward with her life. And um, it just kind of kept going and turned into this whole fucking thing. Yeah. So, but, so, so let's 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 preface that. And let's say that Alana did not get on there and go, 
No, I am I know. here for all the men, and I want you to hate all the women because you guys all deserve to, you know, have all the sex and make have all the sandwiches made for you. Um, she, you know, she did this because she wanted to create, uh, you know, a movement because she was particularly lonely, like a lot of people are, and right. wanted to make something beautiful, and it's turned into a monster. Well, that no fault of her own. That that's the schism that I wanted to kind of illustrate was that look, being lonely and being celibate and being uh so i guess as they perceive themselves at least like you know so intellectual that you're in out of you're out of step with the rest of society and you can't connect in personal relationships are hard for you all of these things do kind of go across gender lines they go across you know people of different races different backgrounds you know there's a lot of fucking nerds out there that have a hard time connecting sure and um that's not particular to men but what these guys are doing is kind of takes it above that so it's back to your original question um was i familiar with this specific case no but and this is something i've talked about on the show before um i did have a coworker that was very into the incel movement and um I kind of, and, and we connected on a lot of these, a lot of these things. You know what I mean? Like if you, so uh, I'm kind of jumping around a little, just bear with me. But Elliot Roger had posted a manifesto online prior to going on this rampage. And it's this 143 page document. I think it's 143. It's fucking long. And it basically details his whole entire life. Okay. Yeah. And it, it's very easy to find. It's called the Elliot Roger Manifesto, My Twisted World. And it was, uh, it's it's currently being hosted online in several different places. The place I found is being hosted by the New York Daily News. So you can see this in PDF form. It's 141 pages. You can read it. Uh, it talks all about his upbringing, all about his childhood, and eventually gets to why he plans on doing what he's doing. Uh, and this is something that he posted, you know, just prior to his uh, rampage. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm reading this, and I realize that me and this guy have a lot of shit in common. All right. And me and this guy have a lot of shit. He has a lot of shit come with a lot of my friends and it's the type of social circles that I travel in. Like I don't hang out with football players. Um, I don't hang out with athletes. I don't hang out with the student body president. I wasn't the most popular kid in high school. You know, I was kind of an outcast. I was kind of a nerd. I was in honors classes and I fucking played video games and, and watched anime, you know, and, uh, but we didn't do shit like this and it never, and, and things never went in this direction. And you, you start to tr- kind of pick things apart and say, well, where does, you know, where do you go from listening to Romstein and listen and wearing a black trench coat to actually being the Columbine kids? Like, where does that happen? Because a lot of people in, in the media would like to attribute it to specific media choices like oh it's because they watched these movies and played video games well no no no, i do that and i don't do this well it's because you know they were they were really into like nerd culture and 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 all this stuff it's like well no because i am you know and i think what it comes down to is uh especially in roger's case he was an elitist he was spoiled he had he had fucking filthy rich parents he lived in california and i'm sure that there was a whole lot of societal pressures that come with that i have a friend who's listening to the show right now probably named ashley hey ashley who's from california and like you know we get along and shit but sometimes the shit she tells me about what her life was like 
like in high school and stuff, it's it's nothing compared to what I had to deal with when I was in high school, right? The pressures to to look and be a certain way in that kind of environment is more than I ever knew going to an all boys school on the south side of Chicago, right? Um, and he grew up in kind of this like he was an inter- interracial kid growing up in this um, very very upper class world surrounded by white rich like skater kids and that kind of led to a lot of his alienation was not being able to connect with them and that just kind of that just kind of grew over time well and i mean so obviously you know one thing that comes up with the elliot roger thing is like obviously it's beyond just you know just some douchebag like he's not just being a douchebag you know he's got a lot he had a lot of undiagnosed mental issues yeah and you know they thought that he possibly could have been autistic and you know maybe that played a part in him not being able to connect or he could have had a personality disorder and that could have played a part in him not being able to connect or whatever it doesn't matter um it it was never you know by the time it was finally kind of really looked at and and taken seriously it was already too late because he was an adult and um you know his 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 parents knew that there was something wrong with him they weren't it's not like they didn't know i mean there's a reason why you know the the night before this happened you know he had emailed with a manifesto he didn't post online um he posted a video which was pretty much a very short version of of the of the manifesto that he typed up but he had emailed that to his um life coach to his parents to a couple of friends um and things like that and they rushed over and they went and they drove i mean they were living in separate towns and they they drove over to the town and they tried to find him you know and so they knew that something was wrong with him um and this was in the, this was a long time in the making now i'm not saying that the parents could have done anything again they couldn't have uh elliot was an adult at this point um you know but they just kind of missed the signs with him growing up i mean you know in hindsight the dad now knows that his child was relentlessly bullied and didn't know that initially he he says you know and that's just all we know um you know he knew that he didn't have a bunch of friends or anything but he didn't really he didn't understand the extent of it is is my understanding and um you know when you're a parent things like that can very easily happen and especially when you're a parent to the type of people the type of parents that he had because like again his dad is a director yeah and his mom uh was a nurse on movie sets and got yeah. him. he was at the premiere for like episode one was friends with george lucas and steven spielberg and shit right so you he know? already didn't have a normal you know i can say that right now he didn't have a normal upbringing you know compared to everyday america i mean he already right. had you know a separate disadvantage i mean his parents were busy people um and you know and his stepmom i mean she was an actress you know and so this was already just not a good thing he really needed somebody who was paying really close attention to his life and he didn't he just didn't have that um you know but again i'm not saying it's parents fault um ultimately you know when when elliot roger did this he was an adult and plenty of people grow up with absent parents and don't uh, go on rampages so <laughs> you know that's not what i'm saying here but um you know it was just it's just one of those things where it, it was a perfect formula to create this monster 
and you know this is this is where you know we got here now i'll tell you one thing that i always thought about the um elliot roger thing because i've been familiar with this case for a long time um because there was so much documented evidence for it and kind of you know into the mind of a killer because he he was he he did make a lot of youtube videos talking about his stuff he did type up a lot of stuff online and you know he did write this manifesto he was very vocal and very open i mean that's the thing like he was posting these videos on youtube and he i mean it was red flag after red flag but nobody was watching the videos it was just some some dude on youtube you know so people mm-hmm. that have maybe like five subscribers on youtube pumping out these weird ass videos this shit didn't go viral you know um nobody knew who he was i but you know that was just kind of one of those things but one thing that i always noticed about him he wasn't a bad looking guy like you know i've i've done a lot more with a lot less (laughs) you know i'm not saying he's better looking than me um but it was interesting to like read his definite like the whole chad thing and realize that like these guys think if like according to their definition like i'm a fucking chad you know which is just like nuts you know i i don't there's so much to this incel stuff that i think like i could just talk i mean the elliot rogers case is what it is but i think the incel thing specifically like there's so much to unpack because the they're putting the blame literally everywhere except for themselves yes and and their inability to connect with other people either because of mental illness or they were just raised to be fucking pricks and i think that's what it comes down to now maybe there's people that are mental they're mentally ill maybe like you said the undiagnosed autism or something like that that could definitely be a factor but i think there's also a lot of elitism and there's a lot of like thumbing their fucking nose and just and just sitting there thinking that they're better like don't get me wrong man i thought i was better than most of the kids in fucking high school but i was but i still had a lot of friends i still had kids that i got along with and shit you know what i mean like yeah it it was like the nerds and the punk rock kids we were cooler than the fucking jocks but like that didn't just because you're cooler than the fucking football team it doesn't mean that everyone in the world's a fucking asshole and you should just indiscriminately drive a fucking truck down the street you know what i mean like you 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 learn to target your hatred a little bit you know and i think that's what happens when you're genuinely being bullied when you're genuinely being fucked with, you understand that that kid that like makes conversation with you in algebra class or sometimes sit next to you in lunch, he's not bad. It's that other kid that book checks you into the locker or pisses on you in the fucking gym class shower. He's the fucking asshole. And you real and you, you start to realize not when you're really being fucked with by people, you realize that there's good guys and bad guys. It's kind of like the way that Nazi is a blanket term today. And people forget that no, 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 there actually really used to be Nazis. And that calling someone a Nazi because they're kind of strict or they're fucking like, you know what I mean? Like like that that diminishes the fact that no 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 there actually used to be Nazis. There right? still are Nazis. <laughs> right, right, right. But I, I you know what I mean? I think that's kinda of, it's thrown yeah. around a little bit too much. And I think that that's that's what these kids tend to do that like hate the world. It's like, no 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 no. If you really were being fucked with, you'd really realize that there's you know, it's only about fifteen percent of the world that are pieces of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that and that and that it's fifteen percent that are pieces of shit you know 70 percent 
are, are just fucking whatever. They're only looking out for themselves, and they're pretty apathetic, and they have good days and bad days, and they're just fucking NPCs, right? And then you have the other 15% that are really active good guys, you know? But the whole world isn't necessarily filled with fucking just, you know, chaff and bullshit, you know? it's all, Right. And that's why I think, like, this kid, like, how bad was he really fucked with if he thinks that everyone's the fucking blame? Like, No, he was just... Well, I mean, you know, so he he says that, you know, he, he says that sex was, you know, discovering sex was the worst thing that ever happened to him because he became, he ended up becoming obsessed with having it. And because of that obsession, then it in turn made him do weird things like talk, like constantly talk about, like I said, the guy's cute. But, like, if how he talks to women is how he talks in his YouTube video, because, like, he legit would be like, I'm beautiful. How can you not want? I am the supreme gentleman. That's what he would say. Who the fuck would want to fuck that? Nobody. <laughs> you know, nobody's going to want to have sex with you if that's how you talk about yourself. Now, maybe that stems from, you know, it, it's obviously some type of false confidence because he didn't have that. He didn't have any confidence and that's why he got fucked with in school, right? And that's usually what happens. And, you know, not that, you know, I understand. I'm not shaming anybody for not having any confidence. Um, but he created this really, you know, false sense of confidence in himself and then somehow translated that in his mind to entitlement. Like he was due, you know, I, I, I guess a girlfriend. I mean, as weird as it sounds, I do genuinely think that for some reason, he did become obsessed with this and you know that i don't know and then he just he went nuts for some reason you know a lot of these people that knew elliot roger and talk about him because I, I watched countless interviews of the family members and you know people in his life and people that grew up with them one thing that they all maintained over and over and over again was that he was very very lonely like there's the kids that get fucked with and then there's the kids that the bullies don't even bother fucking with. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? And yeah. and it's like they just are so such a wallflower. I mean, you don't even I wouldn't even say that much. They're just the speck in society. They don't stand out. There's nothing extravagant about them. You know, there's there's no interaction. And I feel like I feel like that was definitely Elliot Rogers' biggest issue is that he was he was a so insignificant and he felt that way and, and the guy's a douchebag but i can kind i i can relate on the loneliness front i can completely understand because that shit loneliness is enough to drive you insane and it did in this case now he definitely should have worked on himself and not blamed everybody else but there is only so much work that you can do on yourself before you're like um you know you you do all the work on yourself and then you look around and you go well fuck i'm still alone it didn't change anything um and you know then that reality is hard to deal with then you either decide you're gonna continue and you know just live because what other choice do you have or you're gonna go fucking drive your bmw into you know into some people and, and shoot some people i mean I, you know i don't know I'm, I'm not justifying it at all obviously that's wrong um but you know i i can kind of understand where he's coming from and uh that's sad that makes me it makes me very sad it makes me horribly sad for him you know but I yeah know. i can't i don't know i can't 
I mean, I think I was, I, I was, I think you, you, you touched on something really important is that when you're, when you're being bullied and I was bullied in high, well, I, I was bullied in high school, but it was more of a, uh, there was just a combative situation <laughs> between like the punk rock kids and the, and the white power kids. And me and my friends were the, obviously the punk rock kids. And we would fight with the white power kids and we all wore leather jackets and they all wore bomber jackets. And we all kind of liked the business and dropkick Murphys, but for different reasons. And like, it, it just was, it, it was like the sharks and the jets, I think, but, or not even that, but it was, there were teams. And even if we were kind of seen as like the scumbag trash ball kids, we were the scumball trash ball kids at an all boys college prep high school. Like, how bad were we really? Like, what kind of scumbags were we really? Our parents were paying $13,000 a year in tuition. Like, yeah. it was, it, you know, but, I, and I that's something that honestly I realized by, like, junior year was that I actually had a lot of friends. And there was kids that were, like, that used to be on the JV football team. Because, you know, a football teams, like, when they're when it's JV, there's, like, you know, 100 kids, right? And then when they get to varsity, then there's probably only 30 or 40 or something. You know what I mean? Like that number really gets dwindled down. So, you know, freshman, sophomore year, there was a lot of kids that were on the football team. I'd say like, you know, half of my, half of my graduating class were football players, but come varsity time, they were, you know, later on they weren't. And now they didn't have this identity anymore and they were just kind of kids and they weren't wearing their football jerseys on friday because of the game on saturday or you know what i mean and they and it was different for them and you kind of and i and as someone that paid attention to these things that was naturally empathetic like i i felt bad for him because i realized like i still had my friends i was a part of something that was legitimate these guys kind of were just had a default group of friends because they were all football players but that ran out halfway through for most of them you know and you know they would go to parties and they would be with all these kids but they didn't really know each other whereas you know i would spend the night at my buddy's house and we would watch anime and stay up and then bill's mom would make us breakfast and i i you know what i mean like i knew i was close i was actually close with these people they were like family to me my mom knew all my friends and i knew all their parents and shit and um you know yeah for us being these scumbag outcasts and then when senior year rolled around and columbine happened columbine happened my senior year in high school everyone looked at us like we were the next powder keg and they, and we had, I had meetings with like the Dean of students, like me and my friends, they brought us in cause they were legitimately afraid that we like, we're checking in with you guys. We know you guys are a little different. We know you guys are the goth kids. We're like, no, we're fucking punks. What are you talking about? Like no one here listens to the fucking cure, you know, like, wow, <laughs> we just want to check in with you guys. Like, you know, is everything okay? Like, yeah, well, we know you fight with some of the Mount Greenwood kids and, you know, like if, if, whatever, you know, <laughs> it was like, it was different. It, I, and I realized like, wow, like to the outside looking in, we look like Columbine. We look like the trench coat mafia, but we're not. Because yeah. and we're actually way more sound emotionally than a lot of these other kids. And I actually have a lot more friends than somebody that was just a football player freshman, sophomore year. So that's why, like, a lot of these incels blame where they're at on the fact that, like, their intelligence or their interests or the fact that they're not athletic. 
And I just got to kind of be like, dude, that's got nothing to do with it. It's got nothing to do with it. And it it's some other X factor that I think that they haven't picked up on yet. And even us on the outside looking in on them, we still haven't really figured it out yet either. And I think undiagnosed mental illness is a huge part of it. It's a huge part of it. But this violent component too, the radicalization of the loneliness, that's something I, I wonder if that is a cultural movement. I wonder if I, you know what I mean? And, um, when I'm doing my research on incels, I think that that's something that the FBI kind of leans towards too a little bit. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're very sensitive about this stuff now because they realize it could be the deciding factor on whether or not some lonely fucking nerd becomes violent and, and acts out against innocent people. Yeah. I mean, you know, well, that's, it's one thing to like have a bully, you know, make you feel like you're worthless and like a piece of shit and like you don't want to live anymore. But like how worthless and shitty do you feel when even the bullies don't give a shit to make you feel that way? You know, so it's, it is a very, you know, daunting. Um, I was never bullied. I never had that issue. I, I was always, I always had lots and lots of friends. I always talked to everybody. Um, you know, my problem, I guess, wasn't so much that, like, I've, I've ever had an issue with people talking to me because I mentioned that I, I very much relate to this lonely thing, and I do, yeah. um, you know, and it's not because I have a lack of abundance of people, but that's about it. I have a lot of acquaintances. I have very, very few people that I actually sit down and welcome into my psyche. It just doesn't happen, um, you know, and, and vice versa. I've, I've never had a single person in my life ever that I am free to have expectations with and or have felt like I am free to have expectations with and then as soon as I do get that that kind of comfort something happens Mm -hmm. so I understand (laughs) you know I understand and um is that you know is is it somewhat my fault well yeah sure I I could probably just you know have expectations with people I mean you know do I need to figure out why I have that issue yeah probably yeah Um, but you know, am I going to go kill a bunch of people because of it? Absolutely not. Um, but you definitely do get stuck in your own head a lot. Um, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with this type of, of thing and it's a very scary, very sad thing. And and I guess that's why, like, for me, like, I, like, I really feel for those type of people because, you know, it's, it's just a whole different level of, of sad and sorrow when you realize that you're in a room full of people and you're still lonely or you know you're hitting your your goals in life and you're doing again you're doing the work but you still have that void and and i think that elliot rogers still very much has always had that void and he just did not know how to solve it and it drove him insane and that's i mean that's what i think about it um you know is it because of the incels and this and the other well i'm sure it didn't help that he had a bunch of dude bros egging him on you know, he found comfort in that, at least. Um, you know, he felt he clinged to that community because he felt like it was something that he could relate to and that they could relate back to him. Um, you know, but it it only lasts so long. It's only a Band-Aid. Because before that point, and, you know, people have talked to him, we haven't really talked about, like, his history or his upbringing or, you know, anything that he's been through, um, which, you know, I don't... I don't I don't know. Does it matter? I'm not sure. He had a pretty uneventful life for the most part. Um, yeah. You know, but for a long time in high school, he was really addicted to uh, World of Warcraft. 
and he seemed to do better that way now i don't know why he stopped doing that um you know but for a minute that seemed to be the band-aid you know and from there that's probably where he discovered i mean i'm not gonna typecast here i'm nothing against people that play things like that um you know but that's probably where he discovered this incel community and you know then he got into that and he started having the influence of more violent ideas and you know maybe it just evolved and it morphed into what it was um you know i, I really don't know um but you know again he wasn't somebody he wasn't he he wasn't conventionally unattractive okay he wasn't poor mm-hmm. you know he he wasn't um you know he had all these makings to be very successful but it was there was just a piece that just was missing well it was connecting with it was it was connecting with girls he didn't know how to talk to girls and that's that's where it comes from because like right talk about feeling lonely like i i completely agree with that i've you know i i i dealt with that a lot too i had friends but it was never enough. And I think everybody feels like that sometimes, you know. Yeah, no, but I mean, for me, it was. I mean, I. But what's interesting for me is that I think I used fucking as a way to cure that. You know what I mean? And if, if, yes, exactly. If you, if you took that away from me and I wasn't able to fuck, like, oh my god, I would have gone. I, I you might I, go crazy, right? <laughs> I would have, but that's why I learned to fuck. Like, come on, like that was part of it. it I guess it was like I. I at least had that survival instinct. It's a, in yeah, it's a sink or swim situation. Yeah, and, 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 and Elliot Rodger chose the sink. Well, it's because he didn't, and I. So then I. So then I rewind the clock back, and I think like because I. This is this is something that like, and I, I. I'm not. I know I'm talking about myself personally a lot in this episode, but it's only because I can. I connect a lot with this guy, and if and on paper, me and him have a lot in common, but the really important stuff we don't <laughs> so yeah, i'm trying sure. to I'm, try, I'm trying to figure out how like seven out of ten things can be fucking can match and, and and try to use that to shed light on those other three and like you know i never fucking went on a murder rampage i never will i'm not like that you didn't and, uh sue your roommate because he stole your candle or charged your roommate with theft because he stole your candles no i'm never that petty and you know i uh I, if anything i was the roommate stealing candles and uh i also um you know i never killed anyone and i and i fucked a lot so it's like i think that maybe you know he just he didn't learn to fuck when i did or maybe i got lucky there's part of me that thinks that too because i remember when i you know my first girlfriend i lost my virginia when i was 15 and um when i i never thought before then that i would ever have sex i was convinced that i would die a virgin and then and then i met leslie and we we, you know started dating and actually she was dating a friend of mine and i stole her away from him which was a terrible thing to do (laughs) but i did it anyway because she was dtf and um what can i say i that's how bad i wanted it i had had to close that gap i was not gonna get elliot rogers i was fucking like dude (laughs) this is not gonna be me i don't care who i gotta stab in the back to fucking get this pink it's gonna happen and that's what i did and then when we broke up because inevitably she was fucking nuts um when we broke up i never thought i'd fucking ever had anyone sleep with me ever again never i was like that was a fluke we're 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 broken up now i'm never ever gonna get laid again and then i started dating stephanie my second girlfriend and once again i thought jesus this is just like the only one that's ever gonna sleep with me and then 
we broke up a year later and I started dating the, my third girlfriend whose name I will not fucking follow this podcast with. And once, and it wasn't really until I was about 20 and I had been with maybe five or six girls that I convinced myself that I was probably going to be okay and that I would meet other women in life and that I wasn't going to die alone. But up until that point, I never, like, and especially before I started fucking, I was convinced I was going to die alone and die a virgin. I just fucking knew it because that's the way I felt inside of me. That's the societal pressure because girls, you know, a lot of a lot of people start pairing up in like six and seven. My son has a fucking girlfriend now and he's in fucking fifth grade. I never had any of that. I never had any of that. I never, grammar school, I, I had braces and glasses and I was fucking a foot taller than everyone else. And I watched Beavis and Butthead and people thought I was a mutant. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it, it really, it, it, it wasn't until I was about 20 and I started playing in bands and shit and like bleaching my hair and fucking being whatever that I really, I, I started to kind of figure it out. Yeah. And I, and I get that maybe like Elliot just never fucking had that. He never, he, he never had that. Um, yeah. I mean, and, I and I'll, I'll even say, I mean, I know this might come as a surprise to anybody, but yeah, any breakup that I've ever had in my life, I'm like, nobody's going to want me ever again. Right? Me, you guys, have you seen me? I mean, <laughs> You know, we all feel like that sometimes, but you know, you, then you just kind of, I mean, you kind of pick the shit up and you just kind of keep trucking, you know? Yeah, well, all you got to do, and this is why he hates you so much, is because all you have to do is like, take a picture of yourself, post it on Instagram, go take a shit, come back and have 60 different likes. You know what I mean? Like, dude, I go through this. Let me tell you something. I go through this being your co-host all the fucking time. Like, look at how many friends you have on Clubhouse versus how many friends I have on Clubhouse. Like, I am forever in your fucking shadow. Now, I'm cool with it. Like, I, I have made my peace with it. I'm glad you're taking me along for the ride. I am more than happy to be here, and I will play fucking second fiddle to you anytime. But <laughs> this this idea that, like, he had about how unfairly balanced it is, he's not wrong. It's just that's the way the world goes. I whatever I can open jars that you can't. Like there's just there's an well, flow to it. I like, mean, whatever. Right, I have if, body if, strength. You, you know, know, if we're up for an intellectual, you know, job, then most likely you're going to get it. And I'm, you know what I mean? Like you got you got wins and losses. I'm not complaining at all. No, 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 no. I'm not complaining yeah. at all. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, it's a little. You get more. You'll always get more attention than me. Always. That's it, just whatever. Fine. You're. you're I, I I'm I I am you got to believe me when I say this. There, I have no ill will against that whatsoever. It's totally cool. But you know, <laughs> you never have to, like you said. You never have to really doubt your self worth or like your attractiveness for that long, because you can get validation like that. You know. Well, yeah. Within like the week, I start fucking somebody else. So I mean, ah, you know, just gonna, <laughs> that's just the way it be sometimes. But I mean. Anyway, the point is, is just, you know, again, at some point you, you don't get stuck in the hole, you know, you, you dig yourself out of it and, you know, you continue forward. Um, that doesn't always happen for people. So, I mean, obviously it doesn't happen for people like Elliot Roger, who instead of deciding to dig himself out of the hole, um, he was just going to go ahead and dig himself into the grave as well as some other people around him. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, and that was just kind of, you know, I guess what, I don't know, it's what he decided to do, I suppose. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it, it's really easy to look at something like this and just look at the surface and go, oh, yep, that's incels for you. 
um but but there really is a lot more to it that i think people should you know dig around with i mean do i do i you know am i speaking up for incels no fuck those guys um you know they're awful and they're not good people and they don't get laid because of their own it's their own fault (laughs) you know i understand learning how to connect with people is not an easy task i'm not saying that you know we're talking to an audience right now and every single one of us here can say that at at least one point in time in our life we've had an issue connecting with people we're all fucking weird right yeah definitely and so you know we can all relate to that part um you know but instead of thinking that the whole world owes it to us to well i mean we just kind of stopped and we're like whatever i'm just fucking weird and i accept it you know we kind of stay within our own lane and you know instead of like most of the time i notice what what, what these incels do is then they start like they're shooting their shot way out of their league first of all yeah and you know as shitty as it is to say because yes okay great wonderful looks don't matter you know you know ageism shouldn't be a thing not that you should date minors or anything i'm not saying that um you know but things like that shouldn't matter on the surface come on guys they do they do and you can learn to love somebody i understand that but like you still have that influence let me tell you i dated this guy once and he was really ugly and i dated him knowing that he was really ugly because i swear to god because i thought that he was going to be nice to me right and so after going through heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak i thought well fuck it i'm gonna date one of those really ugly nice guys and he fucking cheated on me yeah you fuck ugly dudes and i and i because i think it's gonna be nice to me i don't want to let the cat out of the bag with that one but like that's something that you've told me in the past and they're still not nice to me (laughs) you'll be like you know i fucked this guy and he was ugly but i figured what the hell you know (laughs) (laughs) and hey you know what i can say the same thing and i'm not going to because it sounds completely different coming from my mouth than yours yeah but i I will say this there is a line in 40 year old virgin where um (laughs) where the the co-worker played by uh what's his name Romy. he was on the first two seasons of weeds i'm i hate this hate to say it but it's the black guy the black bald guy that works with him at best buy and he's talking about how you gotta you know you're setting yourselves too high you gotta find some hood rats and you gotta go through about 20 hood rats because you're gonna be terrible at sex and then once you do that then you can elevate yourself up and i think that that's the same advice that i would give some of these dudes is just just get anything just get anything to get the numbers in there and then once you right. do that then you you learn a little bit of game you learn a little bit of this you learn a little bit of that and then because think about a 40 year old version that dude's an incel but wh- why is that story not why isn't he angry and super fucking violent and crazy you know what i mean because well, it's steve carell it's like no because like I don't know. Maybe it is because it's just a movie. I guess if that should happen in real life, you would be driving on sidewalks. But like, fucking better. I don't know. Yeah, I gotta say, like they they do they do. That's something I've noticed too. Is that they're some of these some of these incels are very very critical of women, and definitely don't know their fucking target range. Yeah. And even then, you should, dude. You gotta always under there's always a reacher and there's always a settler this my wife explains to me all the time and (laughs) there's something to be said about not being the reacher and being the settler and i think my advice to incels would be to just be they don't be the reacher like just you're starting out like 
go find some, you know, whatever, and just make it happen and get it going. And then, you know, get yourself uncumbering so that you can think clearly for fucking half a minute. And then you can figure out your next move, you know, but you need that first job on your resume, you know. And yeah, and I absolutely agree with that. We probably shouldn't have told everybody that I fuck ugly dudes, but I mean, hey, they're gonna DM you anyway. That's I'm the just thing. saying. It matter now, they're gonna de- now they have even more fucking purpose. Or I now they think that you owe it to them. Big dicks and money. So if you don't have all three of those things, <laughs> the trifecta. Um, it's the yeah, triforce. You got to get exactly. all three. Um. So. <laughs> but uh no i mean yeah and well and so you know I, I, this probably gives the ugly dudes hope but like the reason why i fuck you guys is not because <laughs> it's not because you know it's just because i expect you to be nice to me and if you're not being nice to me then i'm gonna i'm not gonna keep fucking you and so you know you gotta have that too at least you gotta have some cooth about your goddamn selves you know yeah. you can't just be like oh you owe it to me because i'm a man and you're a woman like that's your no that's never gonna happen I'll tell you that right now that doesn't happen that way and you know what let me say something to a uh, counterpoint to that i do not fuck ugly girls you know why because they're all beautiful and fellas that's how you do it and that is there you go that is how you do it that's exactly that's how I, you do I, it I, I agree with that too yeah they're no, i've never fucked an ugly girl my whole entire life every anyway. single one of them have been fucking gorgeous yeah oh yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and that's that is how you do it that's why pat's married um <laughs> 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 we got married <laughs> i i had some i had some jokes about that actually uh i oh, have two God. types of past sexual Are you gonna get in trouble no, this is good. Okay. Uh, I have two types of past sexual partners. Those that are like, oh, my God, pedo can fuck for hours. And others that are like, oh, my God, pedo lasts like five seconds. And the five <laughs> seconds girls are usually Italian and Hispanic. Seriously. My wife is the, <laughs> my life is the same way. It's part of the reason I always joke about her never wanting to sleep with me. It's because it's only last 30 seconds and she's so fucking hot. And she married that. So that's that. I have some other mm-hmm. shit about me sleeping with all types of men. Well, that's what I'm saying. Women like <laughs> when you praise them. I don't care what woman you are. We There's like no bigger that praise that you can give a woman by lasting five seconds. <laughs> they okay, may be yes kind of fr- they may be frustrated, but they also feel kind of good about themselves. Uh, not me. I will never sleep with you again. If it's five seconds, I'm like, oh, and I'll it tell everybody. Hey, fine, fuck it. All right, later. I'll tell everybody. I'll be like, listen, this guy just don't. I'll tell all my girlfriends like, no. <laughs> That you know, hey, that's that's the one reason you because you, you you never want to discount the recommendation. Although a lot of times girls aren't going to sleep with girls that their guys that their friends slept with anyway, so it doesn't matter. The oh, fact you that haven't like, met me and my friends. <laughs> no, I haven't. No, I haven't. I had an angiogram instead. Trust me, uh, <laughs> I, I would have. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, anyway, I was just fucking. You were saying your friends are. I'll back off of that one. I, I warn, yeah, I warn people. Um, I let it go the first time. You know, the first time, okay, I get it. It's exciting. But the second time, no. Yeah. <laughs> you need to practice some meditation or something. You get that shit under control. Think about your baseball or something. Um, anyway, I don't know how this turned into this. Yeah, you never but, want to come out of the box. That, 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 the five-second move is something that you save for the second or third. You, you, the first one, you're right. You always, want, you always want to send them home with a story that they're going to go and sing your praises from the mountaintops. And then later on, you can, like, let, you know, pull the five-second maneuver. Well, sure, well, it makes sense. I mean, everybody's got the quickie, you know. You got the quickie sometimes. You got to squeeze in the quickie, and that's fine. But, you know, anyway, I'm not, this isn't the sex talk show. <laughs> um, 
again is, but again is. Um, back to this horrific event with Elliot Roger and all these people that he killed. Right. Uh, that's what you got to do when you when you when you know you're not going to last very long. Just start thinking about Elliot Roger and how great he thinks he is, um, because let me tell you that shit will dry you up like the Sahara. Um, you know he's a terrible person. I mean he is a terrible person. I feel bad for him. Um, I feel bad for who he was before he made this decision to do this because there was a turning point. You know at some point in his life, it's not like he walked out of the womb and decided I'm going to grow up and massacre people. Um, you know something and and it's a, it's a slow change but he did wake up one day and go you know what i'm gonna do this and he 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 took the time to carefully plan this out and put it into motion and we see that in all of the the evidence leading up to it i mean he went to the shooting he went to a shooting range and you know tried out different guns and bought a couple and wrote about them and how that you know they would be how they would be used and how they would be good and why they would be good for using it for killing people um, and you know, he had this whole plan in place in order to, to do this. And so it was a couple of months in the making and, you know, in that couple of months during his planning stages, do you think he ever stopped and was like, maybe I'm not going to do this. Do you think he ever thought about it? Because it doesn't sound like he thought about it. Yeah. I mean. This it is sounds like I'm, he was pretty. Dis- I mean, he had decided. Yeah, this is where it all falls apart for me. Is when when you decide to indiscriminately commit acts of violence against people. You know what I mean? Like it, nothing makes sense at this point. This is this is when mental illness has to come into play because there's no other rational explanation for any of this. Right. Right. And I mean, because he just, well, I mean, he couldn't connect with people. We know that. We know that's his big issue. And I agree with that. Um, but, you know, he just totally, totally disconnected from just reality in general, you know, in order for this to be the way it was. You have to. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine planning out months and months and months of, of planning something like this? No. No. I mean, to, to wake up every day and to think that you're going to, how do you function in society when you know that this is coming? unless it's some weird compartmentalization where like yeah i'm gonna go to work today but then in the back of my head i know that like oh and in in three weeks i'm gonna that's the day on the calendar when i'm gonna go do this and you know it's just yeah this this is where this is where the mental illness component comes in right because everything up to this point you can you can talk about you can rationalize you can kind of put yourself in his shoes and you can say well i identify with this part i identify with that part high school was shitty for me too yada 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 but this is where most of us are just like i don't get it and that's because this is this is how we know that there was some undiagnosed mental illness at play you know the this level of planning for this type of act that in response to what he was going through like yeah if it, if it was random if he had picked up a knife and just went fucking ape shit well even that would fucking show that he's crazy you know but at least that yeah. was that was snapping that was in the moment this is this is sustained planning you know yeah sustained preparation it's calculated right yeah. and you know that's well i i mean i agree you know i think heat of the moment crimes are definitely more um you know heat of the moment i mean they're not i, I think that that shows more sanity than something like this so 
I don't know. I mean, you know, again, he was he was a bad dude. Um, you know, I don't want him coming to any of my parties. So, just saying, that's that's my takeaway for it. I don't. Would you now if if you knew somebody like this in real life, IRL? Would you sleep with them just to kind of help them get get it? No. You know, to bring them back down? Absolutely not. No, I would no. not. No, he can hire a sex worker and sleep with them. That's what I don't go to either. Like, dude. Right. Like, this was before they fucking shut down back pages, too. This was back in the day. <laughs> like, it was really easy to get pussy online back then. Like, I don't know what this guy. Right. I mean, no, I, I wouldn't. Um, Because, you know, I already said, I mean, he, the guy was a douchebag, and I like people that make me feel good about myself. I like, I, I, I thrive on validation, and this was not, you know, Elliot Roger would actually need somebody that I that I need, right? We 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 he was probably too him. good looking for you. <laughs> You're like I fucked weirder looking guys than that, whose parents made less money. This guy like could have got you on the set of Indy Five. Like you could have been watching fucking Chris Pratt making an Indiana Jones movie, picking his pubes out of your teeth. Fucking I don't always fuck ugly guys. I just I have before. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I know, I know, I know. Whatever. But, Hey, all mine have been beautiful, right? All mine have been beautiful. <laughs> you know, but uh, no, I mean, no, like I said, him and I go after the same kind of person. Like, he would need somebody that constantly validates his existence, and that's that's the kind of person that I go after. I don't, you know, yeah, I think, so. he, yeah, 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 yeah. He, some, he, people, he, some people are, are givers, you know, and those people are, are the type of people that I typically, not that I'm not also a giver, but, you know, he just didn't even know that about himself i don't think i think yeah i don't think he knew what he wanted because you right. don't really know what you i'm i'm one of those people that i needed i only know what i want i i know more what i don't want than what i want and the only reason yes. you know what you don't want is because you had it and you're like that didn't fucking work yeah so i i, I literally that's that's i have to do everything through process of elimination it's the only way that i get anywhere in life i have to do it it has to fail miserably and i go okay i won't do that again but if if it's there to do, I got to do it first before I before I fucking you know piss on it. So like, yeah, he uh, I think. And when you have zero experience, you don't even fucking know. He had no idea. No, no, no idea. And I was talking to my wife about this earlier. Twenty two isn't like she was like. Now she's. I don't want to be telling her fucking stories, but she's kind of like us, I guess you'd say. Um, okay. To where to where like twenty two was like later than we got started but like in the grand scheme of things it's not that late i mean i got divorced at 22 so <laughs> no you were like well i i was done. so i don't know what it's like to be 22 in a normal you know 22 isn't isn't inc like isn't incredibly like ridiculously like serial I, in this case it was serial killer like virgin late but there's other people there's people that are perfectly functional in the world that lost their virginity at 22 or later and i and i, I buy that not not every single one of my friends lost their virginity in high school you right. know and or middle school or elementary school um but they that was kind of a really shitty joke and i apologize for that but uh -huh. um you know <laughs> my point is is that i know a lot of people that didn't have sex until they were an adult until they were in their 20s yeah you know and um most of that is just because like you know you're, you're in your 20s a lot of people still live at home at that age you know you, you're not gonna bring people back to your parents house and then the person that you're dating you're not gonna go to their parents house and you know i mean it's not it, you know that's not 
I, I, I would agree, I guess, for a normal person. Yeah, that's probably about correct. Um, you know, I, I'm surprised. But again, at the way that he conducted himself around people, he didn't, he couldn't connect with them, like you said, you know, like you're saying, um, then, you know, that's a big problem. That, that was his issue. And uh, that's why he didn't get laid. It wasn't because he wasn't attractive. And I'm sure the guy had good things about himself. You know, I, I, I'm sad that I, I waited till the end to share this. But did you know that he saved his brother from drowning? no yeah he saved his little brother from drowning which was really fucked up because he you know he had planned to kill his 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 little brother and his stepmom but yeah he did his little brother was drowning one day and and he and he saved it was just him and his little brother i mean he could have pulled like an ed gain and just not you know let him fucking drown um and blamed it on the drowning but he didn't you know he saved him so you know he was human at some point you know i, I think that that's obvious but I don't know. I don't have anything else to add about it, I guess. Uh, I, you know, it's just, again, it's a terrible thing. It's something that you guys now know of. Um, you know, if you find yourself hating women, like, get help for that. You know, I, I hear a lot. Even, like, some of my really woke male friends, like, sometimes they still have this thing about themselves where they will, like, you know, and especially when it's me, right? Because I, Because I'm very much, you know, very proud to be a woman, and I want to empower other women um, and in the field that I'm in, I'm making waves as far as women, you know, representation goes. Um, and some of the guys that I know still will be like, well, it's just cause you know, you're a woman or whatever. And like, you know, that's, that's a slippery slope. Now, granted, you know, we're all kind of used to stereotypes and typecasting and, and all those things. And, and we slip sometimes, right. We're, we're human. We're not perfect. But like, if you genuinely like start resenting women, like, you need to get help for that um because you don't want to end up like elliot roger who never got laid at the age of 22 so right and and you know everything's just a matter of perspective you know it is. In, in the heterosexual community you're seen as an incel but in the homosexual community you're seen as fresh chicken so if you're not if you're striking out with the ladies go find yourself a chicken hawk and let some four-year-old queen blow you and you know it, it'll it'll take the edge off <laughs> and it'll it'll hold you over until you figure shit out and um you know don't be fucking homophobic and a f- dick about shit just it's figure it out man it's not that hard you don't gotta kill people over it you know you, you'll figure it out it's just oh horizons oh <laughs> I, I will even i i will i will design a t-shirt for the merch shop that says fresh fresh piece of chicken and you can wear that to the gay bar it's just fresh chicken. Fresh, fresh chicken fresh chicken oh, yeah, no. fresh chicken they'll know oh. All the chicken hawks will come running. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a great, what a great note to leave that off on. Um, you know. So anyway, there's that, guys. Um, you know, we'll keep you in the loop about what is happening with uh, Mr. Mr. Pat here. Um, you know, and and kind of what's happening with the show. Again, plans are still going forward. So you know, we'll still be here every Wednesday. Um, and uh, yeah, that's all. So we'll see you guys next Wednesday. <laughs>